Jim Stam is with me again. How you doing, brother? I'm okay, man. We're almost half. Well, we are halfway through the season. I'm to quote, I guess, like Austin Powers, is uh, I'm very badly burnt, but I'm still alive. Type deal where I can say that <laughs> <laughs> it's a little rough at times, but we've seen some good things too. So we'll see how the second half goes. That just made me think of the Jerky Boys, where uh, he says, "I'm only scarred about the breast, <laughs> chest, neck, and head." <laughs> Right, right. Uh, so, Jim, pretty nice homestand all in all, man. To go 3-3 three and three against those two teams, the Brewers and the Yankees, it's a pretty nice pull. It's It's got to be at least what an optimist would have hoped for, right? Sure. So, I mean, the last game against the Yankees obviously finished very poorly. I actually don't think it was that bad of a game until until things got away from everybody uh, late. But, um the hot topic that came out of it was really position players pitching. And as a paying customer last night, I mean, what are your thoughts, man? I mean, the, does it turn you off? Does it tick you off? What do you, what do you think? Cause Twitter was a blaze. Well, you know what? First I will, I will uh, give a shout out to my buddy, Nick on Twitter. He actually gave us those tickets last night. So we got uh, oh, standing go. room only. So, um, I don't know whether to thank him or punch him after what 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 happened on the field, but no, you you were right. Actually, the game in the fourth, fifth, even maybe in the sixth inning, it was actually a really competitive game. I thought we were going to see a very competitive game, and then uh, you know the wheels the wheels fell off, and I think I I was due to be up next in the bullpen if things <laughs> kept getting worse. But uh, um, no, it just it just got out of hand. And uh, I'm kind of glad I wasn't at home to listen to the broadcast. So, because yeah, I heard that got interesting. It did. I mean, now, I mean, Greg Brown's comments towards the end there kind of got taken out of context a little bit. Yeah. You know, he he definitely was not aiming to, to take a shot at the Yankees or anything like that. I think he was really kind of just saying it's a little ridiculous that here we are we have a position player out here it's kind of ridiculous what what's happening to the game it's ruining the integrity of this ball game what's weird about it is is not only has there been you know you know teams are certainly willing to go to it more than ever before um but then the guys they send out there they don't even want those guys getting hurt, so they're basically just lobbing the ball in there. So right. it's 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 different. Like before, back in the day, it didn't happen as often. And the guys that did go in there, they were still trying to pump it in there. It might have only been like 82 miles an hour, but that's what they had, and they were trying to get guys out. And now you're seeing it where it's basically like, we don't even want to get this guy who we don't really care about, and that's why he's on the mound. Yeah. Uh, you know, sorry to all the Josh Van Meter fans out there, but let's call it what it is. And they don't want to even get those guys hurt. So it's like 42 mile per hour pitches and it starts getting a little ridiculous, doesn't it? It's ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, it's happened 58 times this year, 58 times. That's yeah. not just a pirate problem. That's an, Oh no. Problem. The Despite whole league. What John Heyman would like everyone to believe. I saw on Twitter where he was, bashing greg brown for well field a better team greg as though greg has anything to do with it <laughs> at all do you think he enjoys sitting there 162 games a year watching bad baseball i don't i'm sure he's i'm quite sure he's had his fill of it even though he does a good job of hiding it most nights so but yeah like uh you're, you're seeing you're seeing teams go to it more than ever and yeah, I did see some quotes last night and some thoughts on Twitter about people expecting the hitters to just take a knee and bow out and get out. I mean, baseball. Why would you do that? Uh, baseball's way too hard of a game for hitters to give away at bats. Just because you don't want to compete anymore 
that 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 has no the hitter bears no responsibility for that, and he is going to eat wherever he can eat. Yeah, I I think there's a lot to be said on both sides of this subject, but the main thing is it's not illegal in this game. If you want to have a position player pitch, you can have a position player pitch. It used to happen more out of necessity. Like you got to a certain point in an extra innings game. Mm -hmm. You had run through everybody. You were down to pretty much like the guy that started yesterday and the guy that's supposed to start tomorrow. You got no options. Okay. Somebody has to pitch, right? And you with somebody over there and and they they get through everybody has a chuckle game over you understand what happened you got beat in a different way you you got outlasted you basically ran out of steam Uh saw some people like asking why don't we have like a 10 run rule and immediately you start to think well okay well then you'll have a seven inning no hitter right and and you'll have oh well that can't count as a no hitter oh well, if it's a no-hitter, let's go ahead and have have the game continue then. Okay. <laughs> Same problem, right? Yeah. Anything you do that you come up with, I mean, and, and, and they do need to do something. They can't just let this continue. But, and I've heard some really interesting uh, things on uh, social media about how to maybe, maybe attack it, but there's no real perfect solution to it unless you just say you can't do it. Yeah. But everything causes something, right? I mean, like for instance, again, we already have a special carve out for Shoei Otani with the DH, right? Uh So there'd have to be another special carve out for him. Right. I mean, I guess you could take a player like Bubba Chandler in the future. If he, if he continues to do both. And, and then you have an advantage because you have a guy that can do both. And maybe that's something that kind of adds value to a player. I just think that the whole thing really is kind of a non-story. It's, it's embarrassing, but you're already getting beat 9 nothing. You're already embarrassed. You know? like Or should be. Yeah, but this is like you, you fell and skinned your knee. And there's blood dripping down your sock and and you're upset that somebody saw it instead of like the blood that is actually dripping down your leg and ruining your, your sock and the injury you've sustained. It's things like that that just, I guess I don't get. Be mad that they're down 9 nothing. Don't be mad they threw a position player out to finish a, a crap game. Right. Like, yeah, I, well, I mean, we're just placed do- anger to me. It probably is. It's just that um, I think it's it one. It's it used to be baseball could count on teams kind of maybe doing the right thing and kind of abiding by some of the old rules of baseball and things that aren't necessarily on paper. But you just kind of the, no, you mean uh, those unwritten rules? Yeah, yeah. I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to get people <laughs> all riled up because I think that has such a bad connotation. No, but sometimes. you're right. But, there was a certain amount of integrity keeping that was that was there. Yes. And and yeah, I do believe that we're not seeing it as much. And hey, maybe this kind of reflects back on the coaching staff. You know, they've done it a lot more than other teams. I will say that. Yeah. Well, the, we should... the, every everyone's just married to so much of the analytics side of things that that those those time honored tradition type things or things that people used to adhere to, they've just decided they don't care. They 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 don't really care about that stuff anymore. And if you're going to allow it, we're going to do it. Yeah, like so, we lived by ten commandments, and now all of a sudden we've cut back to eight. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I feel you, man. And and I think we should probably pick up this conversation after the break diving in a little bit on the coaching staff because ultimately isn't that kind of what's putting them in these situations to begin with yeah yeah let's talk about it a little bit yeah let's do a little bit more on this we got some good stuff to get to
we're back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Jim and Gary with you. And we're going to pick up our conversation talking about uh, the position players pitching by kind of talking about how we get there. And before we go into burying this uh, management team entirely, I think we should at least touch on where they are right now. We're the midpoint of the season. Full disclosure, we're recording this right after game one of the doubleheader against the Reds. That's It's exactly the midway point of the season. And yep. the Pirates are on pace for 68 wins. I had them at 70, so I'm not going to sit here and say it's totally unexpected that they're here. Um, but I also can't sit here and say it's been a total failure you know, to get exactly where I expected them to get with, with the talent base they had. So um, that said, I think there are some things that we are officially at the point where we should be able to look at it with a critical eye and not continue to be told, oh, it's too early. Oh, he doesn't have the horses yet. Oh, we got to – I think it's time to start looking at some stuff. I think sure. we're seeing some trends now. And uh, – the first one I want to say is is the use of the pitching staff. I, I keep hearing that as the number one complaint about Derek Shelton, the use of the pitching staff. I've kind of pushed back on some people about it. I know some people think I'm being a jerk about it, but I'm trying to push back a little bit because I want to know what you mean when you say it. When you tell me like Derek Shelton doesn't know how to handle a pitching staff, what are you actually saying? That's those are just words. They're cute words. It's really easy to say them when they lose. How how do you mean that he's managing it badly? Is he just picking players you don't like? Because again, I think there's a lot that we don't like. You know, is it his fault, for instance, today that he put Will Crow in and he gave up a run and made the game a little tighter than it needed to be? You, you know, um, people like to, to paint with a, a broad brush. And so I do think that um, people need to be a little bit more specific because oddly enough, when things go well, and, and look, this is just fans by nature, when things go well, you really don't hear anything. You don't see on social media, man, Shelton just, you know, he, he just killed it today, P- pushed all the right buttons. You just don't see it. I guess that's <laughs> right, kind of right. like, like Tomlin with the Steelers and, you know, well, we and, could go back to that Yankees game. The very first one. Right? Yeah. That was about as flawless a game as I think they've played this year. It was expertly pitched. I felt um, you could probably pin a lot of that on a veteran like Quintana. He, he had a purpose for everything he threw, but I thought everybody had a good sense of urgency. The lineup flowed nicely. There was yeah. just a good sense of um, pressure in the air. Almost it, like they it, wanted the challenge. You just felt like this felt a little different. The atmosphere felt more powerful, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, top to bottom, they showed up from players to the managers here, the coaches, and they put together a really good game and it, and it had a different feel to it. Um, but you don't really hear anything about that afterwards. So I, I do think it comes down to look, um, Shelton has been maybe uh, uh, the, the one thing I will say is I think maybe they've been a little too cautious sometimes with the starting pitching. That's where I will go at with maybe pulling guys, just a hair earlier than I would like them to, whether that's the fourth, the fifth type innings and pitch-wise that I'm seeing. That's where I would put my biggest criticism with Shelton. It wouldn't be on the bullpen. It wouldn't be, Gary. I I, I wouldn't put it entirely on the bullpen. I, I agree with what you say there. Even something like that has some flex in it, though. Like, for instance, we were just talking about Rowanzi Contreras' outing. Mm-hmm. And I know I felt another inning I might have tried. I might have at least let him go back out there for the seventh. Interesting. I know he was getting up there. He was close to 90. Yeah, I think he was but, right at 90. But after his solo shot that he gave up, he was humming. I mean, he had it all working. He felt good. 
you could tell everything was hitting all of a sudden. I kind of wanted to let him go ahead and stretch his legs a little bit. Interesting, because I've I said this I said the exact opposite. Well, there. that's why I bring it up to you because yeah. like we're two people that I think most people that listen to this show they know we kind of tend to fall along the same lines on a whole lot of baseball. Too ball. much at too times. Too much. Too much at times. But this is one of those areas where like. I'm not going to say that that's a bad job by Shelton, but if he had replaced Rowanzi Contreras after I really thought he had another inning in him with with somebody like Chris Stratton who gave up two home runs or something, uh-huh. yeah, I'm going to be livid. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like you screwed up. You shouldn't have pulled that starter. He was good. He had more pitches available. He was killing it. It right. all worked out. They won the game. No harm, no foul. I don't say any of those mean things. Now, oh, I have yeah. pretty good control anyway, as far as <laughs> as far as that goes. But... Yeah, usually, but no. I look in my and and so just to give people my insight on it, um, I was looking. I think I look at Rowanzi, and um, everything I look at is maybe more geared toward the future with him. And so, right. like, I'm I'm. Uh, cause, cause Graves, our buddy Graves, she was actually right lockstep with you on it. She said, I'd like to have seen him come back out. And I said, you know, he's just the one guy in the organization where I, I, I want to bubble wrap him a little bit. And, um, this year, I think, and especially after his last start, I just felt like you know, 90 was good. And, um, I don't want to overextend him right now. Um, and his so, last outing wasn't good. So, it, I mean, it, like it, it was really important. I thought to, to. But that's but that's how interesting pitching and and how people see it can be. Um, it can be very very different lines of opinions. But as long as you have a reason for it and and a reasoning for it other than just Shelton sucks and he doesn't know what he's doing. Well, okay, maybe that's the case on some nights. But tell me why. Yeah, I think that's really where I fall mostly is. You have to explain yourself a little better. I don't think that we're at a point where he's 100% judgeable yet. Mm-hmm. But I do think right now he's got enough pieces that I expect the lineup to look good every night. He's got enough pieces there to put together a lineup that I feel pretty confident can get some runs scored. Yeah, I mean, enough to compete Yes, nightly. Now, here's the thing. I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I'm not seeing it as no. often as I should. Uh, I made a joke at the very beginning of the show about Josh Van Meter getting like Cal Ripken treatment, but the guy's playing just about every day and great guy by all accounts. I hear a wonderful locker room guy. Everybody loves him and he tries. I'm not sitting here telling you he doesn't I actually thought he played a really good second base specifically in this in the the blowout Yankees game yeah but and again I'm not even saying he's a useless player but this is not an everyday starter how long do you need to see that how many times do you need to run him out there and see that Castillo's at least hitting homers that's all he does but at least he's hitting home runs Chavis yeah. shown that he can do it. And I just, I don't get that aspect of it. I wonder how much of it is Derek Shelton's decision. Well, it goes back to what I was really just going to say to just, just to tie that part up with Shelton is, I mean, you think Derek Shelton wants to pick up the phone and see Anthony Banda, Banda and Aaron Fletcher and, the dude they Whatever just that dude was last night. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, you think, like, what's he what's he looking at? So, again, you know, and then it gets to what you're saying, which is, you know, I don't think he wants to do the Van Meter thing and the Yu Chang thing. Um, who, who, who would? Uh, I can't see that being him just f- forcing that situation. I, I think there's definitely some collaboration going on there there has to be right there there almost has to be because i unless van meter is in hitting practice just 
absolutely crushing balls and everything looks perfect. The swing is dead on time, but in game, it's just not translating. I, I, I can't see a coach going, yeah, this is a number five hitter over and over and over again. The five hole is really crazy what they do with him. And I no, but I hear people all the time. All oh, the lineup doesn't matter. Don't you? There, there's no factual basis for where you put somebody. Uh, That's bullshit. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I and I and I'm Don't on DK's network, but I've heard DK say it multiple times, and and I'm like, no, 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 son. I some of that shit. You can't put guys like that in the number five hole because all you're doing is making the number four guy suffer. You have I, to have some. I don't agree with it at all. In the sense of, I've always felt that that um, that first of all, it matters to hitters, um, and then it does matter where people are batting in the lineup as far as as far as it. Now, now, could it have been overstated? Sure, I can. I'll maybe listen to that argument, but I don't think um, you know. And, and here's the other part of it: is fine. You want to make that argument. Well, it gets a heck of a lot harder to make that argument when the guy you keep putting in there keeps doing nothing. You well, know, here's the like... thing, Jim. early in the season, I could make an argument that it sucked that he was the number five hitter, but six, seven, eight, and nine were all worse. So, okay, I get it. What's he? To, what's he to do? Right? Sure. That's not the case right now. Yeah, there was a point in the lineup where. Uh, the last six, yeah, six, seven, eight, nine, or seven, eight, nine was just not even major league caliber. Right. I mean, you got if you're playing Michael Prez, four out of you know if you're playing Michael Prez five out of seven nights. I mean, you're always going to have a worst hitter. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be him. Right. And except for what? Except for one night. Except for one glorious <laughs> night. One magical night. One glorious night. Um. And, and I, I don't know, man, like those are the kind of things that make me question his acumen because it's his career. So, you know, we talk about um, Ben Charrington maybe having his finger in the pie a little bit. But at some point, isn't somebody else that you're going to try to get a job off of going to ask you why you kept hitting Josh Van Meter in the in the heart of your order for the better part of two months? You know, you would think so. I look the the whole thing of getting a manager to take on this this role has always been kind of interesting to me. Like, who would def who would necessarily sign up for this, right? Because it, it it you may come out of it with a certain stench that you can't shower off, no matter if yeah. it was your fault or not. So I've always kind of wondered that. Now, maybe, maybe they've, you know, so how would you get a manager to buy into that? Well, do they tell the manager, uh, listen, as this goes along, it's going to become more and more a you process and your staff process, but early on that it's, it's, it's going to be much more collaborative. And then as we go, I don't know. I think it's a lot easier when you're, when you're hiring somebody who's pretty openly, and admittedly to the media, which shocks the hell out of me, learning on the job. Yeah, he's been candid about that. And I'm not sure that's a great thing. I'm not sure that's a great thing to be admitting. <laughs> I want to you know, know like that you stole a whole bunch of intel from your time in Tampa. and You learned a whole bunch of crap from working with Rocco. Mm-hmm. I don't want you coming here and going like, gee, well, gee, Dayon, I didn't think about uh, maybe I shouldn't I shouldn't uh, sit Brian Reynolds and, and Brian Hayes at the same freaking time in the homestand when my team blows. Yeah, I there's, mean, been like, a couple, there's been a couple times stuff. Yeah. So and, and look, you know, like the thing I've always tried to do um, with this coaching staff is try to balance what do they have versus what are they doing with it? And um, that's always, it's so, it's so, even for us, and I think we try to be reasonable, it's so hard to keep that in mind um, when when they're struggling at times. Uh, 
and that's why Oscar Marine comes into play and you you know he 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 gets he gets slammed and rightly so but it hasn't been all all bad either he's done some I mean whether he's done it or not if you're going to give him credit for the bad good then you got to give him credit for the bad and vice versa do you not I mean sure technically <laughs> technically you, know. you do but I mean when we talk about good I guess I would say, is it a little weird at least that most of the people that have found something have been so open that they found it elsewhere? Well, Keller certainly has. Um, Keller certainly has. Yeah. Crow certainly has. Underwood certainly has. I think he's got some guys you could point to. Um, I think, you know how how much has he been involved in the Brewbaker, um, this Brewbreaker situation this year? I don't know. I'm I'm going to give him credit for that. Um, you know, um, but it's hard for me to think of a lot. That's for sure. Yeah, and I I mean I think we spent the first part of the of his tenure here basically saying he doesn't have anybody. So I get it. What are you going to do? When, right. when you just don't have anybody that that's going to go out there and pitch, uh, like Chad Cool, for instance, you know we talk about these pitchers that go away and they end up doing better. I mean, Chad Cool's doing what I always thought Chad Cool could do. In fact, Chad Cool's doing what Chad Cool did in 2018 before he had Tommy John. It, it just took him a while to get better. And the Pirates wanted to put him in the bullpen. He didn't want to be a bullpen arm. So they let him go. I don't blame Marin that he's doing well now. I, I think I think that was kind of coming. I felt yeah. like Clay Holmes was going to do well. I, I mean, you know me. I, I've said that, I, that yeah. I liked Clay Holmes. I was pissed Clay Holmes got traded. Austin Man. Davis is doing well for the Red Sox. But we have Michael Chavis. So, you know. His and nine I, innings of five plus ERA, I don't miss. I think what ends up happening too is like it always comes down to me is like how much time do you give guys to do it? Yeah. And so when you're talking about the Chad Cools and um, I mean I'll just even throw in Trevor Williams because of that magnificent half of a season he had. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I'm always, I'm always wondering how long do you give guys? And then, so like when I translate to what's going on now, how long do we give Keller and how long do we give Brubaker? Like guys like that, like, when do you know when to cut the cord and seek something elsewhere? And so, um, that's always my concern that I, I don't want to get stuck in that position where guys show a little bit, they bump up a little bit and then they kind of maybe trick you a little and then they revert and then you're forced to say, okay, what do we do now? What do we do with these guys? Right. And I mean, especially, I do think, I do especially, think let, no, let me, let, I was just going to say this. And especially now that becomes more critical because they are are trying to get to a point where they're ready to compete. Right. So you, you you don't have that luxury of like when they were doing this with Cole and Cool and Trevor Williams and whatnot. Man, we got to know quicker, do we not? I mean, that's I, all I'm I saying think, is I think, I think it's, it's a little a different. I think it's a yeah. process with young pitchers, especially. I think the first thing when evaluating young pitchers for me is they're probably going to stink. I think Rowanzi is probably going to disappoint us almost as much as he's going to excite us as this season continues. First, I think right. he's going to hit his innings limit long before the season's over. And I hope and, he does truthfully, but that's just me. Well, I'm just saying, I, I think there's going to come a point where they probably shut him down or slow him down at least. Um but I think, you know, the collectively, they're starting to show that they're they're capable of making some good decisions. Will Crow is a good decision putting him in the bullpen. Definitely. They didn't have to do that. They could have left him up to compete for a starting job and, like, really compete for the starting job. And they didn't, to their credit. They went bullpen with him pretty immediately. 
They got him to embrace it pretty immediately. And um, he's pretty committed to it. You don't hear him talking about wanting to go back to starting now. He he likes where he's at. He's happy. Wants to be a major league pitcher. Thinks this is his path. Great. That's all part of coaching, too, getting a guy to embrace and understand his role. Maybe Bryce Wilson is that same kind of pitcher. You he'd know, be a, He'd be another one that I would throw in that category of, like, when do you know when it's time, you know? Um, and I will say also, I'll give Dylan Peters, I'll put in that same category where sure. I give I give them a little bit of credit for how they immediately kind of started using him and he looked pretty good. Then, you know, then I think it was his back started acting right. up on him and the numbers slid, but like thought they did a pretty good job with him as well. But um, yeah, Bryce Wilson's another guy I should have thought of that falls in that same category. So, um, I don't know. I don't know, Gary. I think the pitching is so – pitching is kind of like quarterback play. Man, man, it's, it's, it's tough, and, and you can miss. Can you not? You can. You can. I just think that that's another reason to, to practice caution when you go through a rebuild like this because when you're relying on young talent, man, it, it just doesn't come up here like Garrett Cole very often no and i i say that fully acknowledging that pittsburgh fans thought he wasn't very good here for a young pitcher that might be the top of the mountain you're not going to see a lot of people come up here and just dominate major league baseball from the jump you do not see it much anymore no, that even Hunter Green, a... as impressive as Hunter Green has been this year for, for the Reds. And Nick Lodolo, if you want to talk about him. I know he was injured a little bit, but if you want to talk about those kind of stud pitchers, they're going to struggle. Well, Hunter Green, I just saw the other day, because, um, of course, he almost – did he no hit the Pirates? Was that the game? Yes, he's where... the one that no hit us and lost. Okay, yes, okay. I mean, he's given up 22 home runs. Right, his his ERA is now in the fives. Like he's had some trouble, and he's pitching in a hellacious ballpark for any pitcher. Sure. But when you bring up a young pitcher, there is a learning curve. There just is. It's going to take them time. It it's not something that you're going to snap your fingers. That's why when you go World Series in 2024, Quinn Priester is going to lead. The, he's going to be. You can be lucky if Quinn Priester isn't like borderline being sent back down sometime in 2024 or, or rehabbing from Tommy John. Yeah. I mean, but that's the reality of how this stuff goes. And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm just trying to say when we talk about like, they're going to need to sign some veterans and stuff and, and you want to poo poo it and go, no, no, we got Michael Burroughs. No, no, we got Omar Cruz. No, no. Those are all great. They're all going to probably play a role. But you got to have some guys that have been there and done that because learning on the job when you're trying to win a pennant or even get into the playoff race or even just crack 500 is not a pretty recipe a lot of the time. It's not, and that's what makes this situation so challenging and such a conundrum for teams like the Pirates is because you can't go out and afford the Garrett Coles of the world. Clearly, we couldn't. Um or the Scherzers of the world. You've got to get a lot of it from inside your organization and develop it, but we know that there are bumps in the roads with that. Mm -hmm. So it puts you in this very, very precarious position of, yes, you need to do all that, but then you're going to have to go out and do something free agent-wise to fill that those little the, those gaps in. And um, I, I would expect that if they do not do that, then we're going to have some very interesting shows to talk to talk about that. I expect them to do it just about to the level they did this year. And a lot of the reason that I say that, and the reason that I don't even advise more, is because of what I just said. You have to train these kids, which means you've got to get them time up here. So when I look at Mitch Keller starting to finally find it, I'm, I'm excited that he's finally finding it. I'm not even shocked it's taken this long because his stuff is weird. 
and he yeah. had a really bad mix of pitches. They didn't play off each other. They've changed that now a little bit. It's things taken are finally a, starting to click now. It's taken a very, very long time with him. Um, We're on year three as, of JT Brubaker. Yeah. He's close. He's about 80% to where I think he can be right now. You know? Yeah. He's got the age on him that makes it a little bit more pressing in the sense of getting getting finally there. But yes. Yeah. Zach Thompson. Look at how long it took him and how many organizations it took him. And, and yeah. people have regularly told me he's the best pitcher in the rotation. He's another <laughs> guy. He's another guy that I will point to that since he's gotten to the Pirates um, has looked okay. You know, like I, I will give them some credit for that. He was one. very I'm good sure. with the Marlins last year too, though. So I, yeah, I won't, I won't give them credit for resurrecting somebody there, but no, but I think the consistency has been there since, you sure. know, um, since about May, I would say. And to their credit, they did catch whatever twinge he felt in his elbow quickly and got him back really quickly. Right. That could have gotten messy really easily. And a lot of that comes down to players being honest, but still. Sure. Um, all in all, I mean, we were we were talking about coaching. We always end up coming back to players because it's always players that kind of make the difference. But when you get frustrated with, like, a, a rookie pitcher coming up here and maybe not having the polish that you want them to have, I don't think that you could have Jim Benedict in his heyday here and, and get that. It just, it's not a thing. It takes a while. The, the the days of the, the, the Dwight Goodens of the world, those things just don't happen anymore. Yeah, they come along. Steven Strasburg, you know, like, but look at how his career's turned out. Now. But, but, but yeah, but that, it, yeah, but it looks differently too, you know, like how they're going to handle you. Yeah. There's just, it's a different world when you get one of those pitchers, and there just aren't a lot of them. Right. <laughs> Michael Burroughs is a guy that I'll tell you right now, I, I think just has the kind of head on his shoulders where I think he probably will come up here and, and at least look a little more polished than most of them do. Cause he's just that type of kid, like seems to have that kind of will to do it on his own and learn on his own and reach above and beyond what he's being coached to do. Yeah. So he's the type of kid that I think you could, you could maybe be surprised by how good he comes up here. But Quinn Priester, I'm sorry, everything I've seen, he's going to come up here and struggle when he gets here. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, even even look at like, you know, look how hard it is to gauge the pitching with Quintana even. You know, right. when he came in here and what they, I mean, nobody wanted him. You know, what did they offer him? Was he a one-year, $2 million deal? One year, Something. two mil. Yeah. I mean, that's that's crazy now that you look at it. And boy, after his first couple starts in the spring, you thought maybe they threw away $2 million. But again, that's what makes it so difficult. And hopefully we get to talk about that in the next segment too, because you know there are people a little bit on both sides of the fence with him. And I think, I think you can make an argument either way. So, All in all, I would say like from this point forward, it's time to start maybe having a little bit more of a critical eye of what's going on organizationally managerially i do think they've got enough horses to start making waves now and there's enough to start talking about now there's enough to start actually questioning what they're doing now right and and i think it, it it's officially fair as of the midpoint right now to me well, we're how long into this thing now? So I, I, I think you can start pushing a little bit of that side a little bit as the as the players come in here that that have more ability. You can start being more critical. I thought it was foolish to be doing that last year and the year before with this roster with some of the coaching staff. I just didn't think you could accurately gauge any of it. I quite totally honestly. Agree. You know, and I'm not a Shelton guy. I mean, that's the other thing about it. I've, I've had people say that they're like, you know, you know, you're defending Derek Shelton. Not really. I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know what what he is and what I have. I think I think this next half of the season and next year, you want to start piling on. 
I'll I'll jump more on board with it if it if it lines up with what I'm seeing. That's probably a really good way to look at it. I think, and that's what I'm saying. By I think I need to be a little more open to it now. I think it's right. time to start maybe being a little bit more critical eye having when I'm looking at things a little bit. Um, it's not so much like uh, I don't ever want them to go and get a waiver wire claim again, but I'd like to start seeing them be a little more discriminating about it now, you know, and, and there's, yeah. there's, and I don't, I say that because this isn't just Derek Shelton and Oscar Moran. I, I'm okay with like openly hammering Ben Charrington if, if I think he's doing things that are stupid. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, he's he's you know we haven't mentioned him, but ultimately, you know, this is his baby. So mm-hmm. um, absolutely, you know, he's going to be the guy that needs to be under more and more of a microscope as this thing goes along. Right. So if next year they come in and they've got um, Jason Delay and Michael Perez and Heineman competing for the catching job hoping that Henry Davis is going to make a miraculous jump all the way up to major leagues on opening day, which I do know that you're leaving open as a possibility, but I don't think you're foolish enough to think that it's plausible. No. Right. No. Like it could happen, but you wouldn't put money on it is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely not. Right. No, I'd love to see it happen. If he, if he comes into spring training and looks you know, like Buster Posey 2.0, sign me up. Right. If they come in like that in spring, then yeah, I'm going to have some words because that's not smart. <laughs> I mean, it's not smart on a whole lot of levels. Um, you... Same with the pitching. Like if you said like well, they don't go out and get a, a nice veteran pitcher, yeah, we should say something. They should. They absolutely should. And I think it should be a step up from what Quintana was. So what to do with Quintana? You want to talk yeah, about that? We probably should talk about that. Let's do Call Your <laughs> Shot when we come back, huh? I have a feeling it's going to lean right into that. <laughs> I think so, too. We're back from Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, and I think this is going to be a, a lengthy topic, so let's go ahead and toss it right to call your shot because uh, it's a real good one. Hey, Gary. Hey, Jim. Beckless Wonder here. thought it was a good time for me to call my shot. Given the rather significant injuries to key players like Ozzie Albies in Atlanta, Liam Hendricks with the White Sox, uh, Ward out in Anaheim, I think that Ben Sherrington needs to be the aggressor here. And he needs to go out, maybe move Chavis to Atlanta, uh, try to move Stratton or another bullpen piece to the White Sox. Ben Gamble out in Anaheim. Not only can it bring back returns for teams that might be a little bit nervous about what they have, but he's also kind of setting the market for future deals down the road closer to the deadline. What do you guys think? All right, so that's Call Your Shot, and that's our buddy Steve Feck from uh, Jay's on the Couch. And yep. He's got his own show as well. So, um, I don't know how he does two teams. I, I, I mean, I, I would have, I, I would be divorced. For one thing, he's a baseball junkie. I know. He's been a scout. You know, so the dude, just it just kind of naturally, I think, falls <laughs> off of him. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. Regardless, <laughs> it's a good question. Um, it is. And it's basically like wanting the Pirates to be more aggressive. You know, um, I don't know how much this really goes on in real life, if I'm being honest with you. I don't know that that a GM like Ben Charrington is going, um, oh, I just saw that so-and-so got hurt out in, in Chicago. Let me call and see if they want 
Chris Stratton, who my my manager barely trusts to put in in the eighth inning. You know, like is is he like a drop in replacement for Liam Hendricks? I don't think so. So I I hear what what where Steve's going with it, but. I just don't think the Pirates have a whole lot of interesting commodities, really. Jose Quintana is probably the top of the mountain, really, as far as what they have to sell. And I don't know that you do, I don't know that you need to go out and target anybody because I almost think you want a bidding war for him, don't you? You know, um, some some so much of this is the timing of everything, right? Um, and I think guys that have been hurt on other teams, it gives those teams a lot more time to kind of prepare and do what they want on those ends, you know, uh, because he was mentioning specific injuries with, with, uh, other teams. Yeah. You know, like I, I will say, as I sat and watched Quintana pitch the other night, um, I thought to myself, my goodness, if you were going to write up a time to have a great start as a lefty that someone that can trade for that can shut down on the lineup like the Yankees. Yeah. Boy, you, you, you're, you, you cannot beat the timing of that. Um, so, Cause you know, as, as other GMs sit there and watch, they go, okay, we can overpay just a tiny bit for a guy like that. I mean, yeah. And when we talk yeah. overpay, man, you're talking about like a, a double egg, Yes. Pitcher that, yes. you know, has some upside, you right. know, maybe yeah. projects to be here in a year or two. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's probably, I mean, I don't, I, you know, I want fans to realize that like, they're not, first of all, the team he's going to is trying to win now. Yeah. So you they're know, not they, going to give you their backup <laughs> catcher. Yeah. No, like, <laughs> like they, like they're, they're trying to win. That's who you're sending him to. Right. So like um, these are hard things to line up. Um, if you go with, I think he mentioned Chavis in there, and you know, I never thought about Chavis as a guy that you could potentially move. I've I I kind of like him in Pittsburgh, and I like some of the 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 role that he fills. But again, he's a guy that smokes left-handed pitching and has a little bit of positional versatility. Uh, Gamble. Not any position versatility that 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 really you could count on, and is a decent lefty bat. So I mean, what are you going to get for those dudes? Probably I don't know not that you're a, get ton. a whole lot. I, yeah, the, I mean, I think I think they're going to ultimately end up moving a lot of these guys. I think they're going to be last minute deals for some people. Like I, I took a swung a swing and and missed on the big right fielder that was available. I couldn't get him. I'll fall back and see if the Pirates will give me Ben Gamble for this high A lottery ticket. And I think that's the type of deal you're going to get. Well, I, I've uh, already said I think the Pirates might be better off just holding on to some of these guys. I don't I don't think the return's going to be worth it really in a lot of yeah. cases. Well, it's interesting. I look at the Pirates as the kind of team that actually would be outgoing if they were in a position to to in the wild card or trying to fortify things. I think the Pirates would actually go out and look to get a Ben Gamble or a Michael Chavis, ironically, on their budget. (laughs) And what they would, but those would be the kind of teams and moves that would line up to each other. I don't think these real serious teams. I think they're looking for a little bit more than that, to be to be quite honest. The funny thing is, I haven't thought about Michael Chavis either. Um, Steve, you know, brings him up. Okay, my yeah, my 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 antennas go up. I'm like, whoa! I didn't even think about that. I didn't consider it. No. The reason that I didn't consider it is a he's done pretty well. Which, if you really think about it, I'm the idiot for not thinking about it because he's done pretty well, right? Yeah. Um. The other reason I I didn't think it was really a possibility is because they're really short at first base. And I don't care if Yoshi ever hits or not, he's not going to come back next year. So it'd be nice to have somebody in place who's already played first base for you, right? (laughs) I mean, because I I I still think they're going to need another one. 
That said, it didn't stop them from trading Jacob Stallings, did it? No, it arguably a position where it, it matters more. Right. Um, you mean you're not ready to give Big Dan 140 games over at first base? You don't want to see what that looks like, Gary? I'm not. For but, sheer entertainment purposes. I'm not, but in, in all sincerity, with that really cheap um, extension option that he has next year and the way he's performed, Daniel Vogelbach has to be somebody that you could consider moving. I just saw today, was it, and now look, um, if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will let me know. I caught this out of the, uh, out of uh, just doing something else, and I thought I heard that out of all DHs, he has like the fourth best OPS yeah, in baseball. Joe Block. Uh, okay, uh, 11 home runs. I mean, that, that should get somebody's attention. Left-hander? As as a fan, let's put the fan hat on. Why why can't I just keep him then? We already have him for next year, right? I mean, like... They, they, they might have to, actually. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, what's more important right now? Do they need the type of return they can get for some of these players? Or do they need to just kind of leave things be a little bit and let this team start to gel? A bit. Especially um, with guys that, that are definitely going to be here next year. Like Quintana, he was brought in as a rental. I don't think anybody's surprised that he's going to be on the block. I don't think anybody will be shocked when he's moved. If they are, they weren't paying attention when Tyler Anderson was the exact same thing last year, if not better. Well, do you want to spend a few minutes even talking about what to do with Quintana? Do we keep sure. him? Would you try to re-sign him? I know people feel very strongly about this one way or the other, and I've tried to look at it very much like I think it's hard to do. I think it's hard to know which way to go until I saw a potential return, but I still think you can talk about it in general terms too. Sure. I mean, what, I, I mean, I really think, think he returns basically a, a double A player. And probably, probably if you're smart about it and you get a little bit of a bidding war, you probably get a top 30 player. Would you but consider hanging on to him and trying to re-sign him? I, I would consider it, but why wouldn't you just trade him and re-sign him anyway as a free agent? I mean, I mean, unless I mean, you, you truly can... believe there's a major advantage to holding on to him to make it happen... To me, if that's what they're going to do, sign them right now. Sign them to an extension right now. Well, I actually had <laughs> like, considered – I actually – that popped – when I got into a dis- couple discussions with it the other day, I actually thought about that. I was like, I wonder if they would do that. I don't think they will. But um, it's a – to me, it's a really interesting scenario. Um, I don't know. Unless he's told them he has plans to test the free agent market anyway, maybe he wants to – maybe he wants a chance to be on, you know, more established – team that's ready to win but uh my only thought on that is a pitcher like that doesn't sign a one-year contract with a team like this without the assumption being that they're trying to resurrect their career and they're sure. of course going to go out and try to get somebody to give them three or four years you know for a couple mil and and kind of make a go of it again yeah. Now that could be here. This team needs somebody like that. I'm not. I'm not sitting here saying they don't. It seems like every year they need to get a lefty. Every year they get one. Every year they end up having to trade that lefty because they've only signed him for one year and he's done better than they thought he would. So at some point, yeah, it might be nice to just keep said lefty. It, it, have the Pirates entered into some type of? Uh, uh, end of time agreement to never have lefties and and never have first baseman. I mean, well, you like, see, Ben that... Charrington got confused with their partnership with Hertz Renicar, and he thinks that it applies to pitchers as well, but it doesn't. And eventually he's <laughs> going to, eventually he's going to have to realize that the new car smell can be replicated with air fresheners. You don't have to constantly get a new car. Point is like sometimes what you have is better than what you ha- you're going to have to go get. And they're going to yeah. have to go get. They don't have a lefty coming. 
I know Omar Cruz is somebody people want to talk about, but Omar Cruz is going to take a while to become a serviceable starting left-handed pitcher in this league. If, if he ever does. So you're going to have to go get one. There's only so many. Now, what, now what if you could do something where you were trying to, and here I go with my favorite term lately, the sweetener package, let's pair, let's pair it with a prospect that we have a glut of and pair that with Quintana and try to get a better return, try to do that with Chavis or Gamble and see if you can't get something a little bit better. Would, would, would a GM be willing to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, it's it's plausible that a team would want to do that. I think when you talk about pairing them with a sweetener, I think you're talking about like replacing a prospect you're gonna nab from them with one of your own to lighten the blow a little bit. So, in other words, we would say, um, "Hey, why don't you take uh, Castro, Rodolfo Castro, with Quintana?" so that we can get a triple a second baseman back from you that we really like you know that's to me the sweetening of it right what what i feel like throwing in a ben gamble would be is really just hey here's another rental take him to you know we got to move him somewhere that that's not going to increase your package necessarily it's the Probably. same it would have to be – that's why I mentioned like a, a G1 Bay type guy that moves the needle enough to maybe get a pitcher or something from a minor league organization. Or, or, from a, or even from a Travis Swaggerty. Yeah, you've got to have a guy that you're willing to take the gamble of that. And, and this is what's funny is people want it both ways. They, 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 uh, they want to prospect hug these guys. I think you are going to have to try to make some kind of moves on that on that level because all these guys can't come up and play. We're already seeing that. Sure. And, I mean, to me, that's what I'd like to see the Pirates go out and pursue. I'd like them to go out and see a guy with, like, eh, you know, a couple years of control left, maybe two or three, um, somebody that could really help. Maybe he's got an unattractive contract. Um, he's decent, but he's never going to play up to whatever they're paying him. Sure. And it's bad timing. And and there are quite a few of those contracts sure. out there. And you move a guy like uh, Travis Swaggerty. I know I just said him, but like that's yeah. the number one pick from 2018. You're, you can't a, a needle mover. Yeah, a little bit of a needle mover. Yeah, you can't say he's rotten. He's somebody that could really help a team um, at least – potentially and so you're trading them a a kind of decently known commodity for unknown commodity and you're going to assume the pain of paying them and they fill a need for you a real need that's the type of thing i'd like to see them be aggressive on because this is fool's gold to me to be chasing around injured players thinking that anybody on the pirates is going to replace their need. Now, like if, if like say the nationals were in it and Nelson Cruz broke his wrist. Okay. You want Daniel Vogelbach? That might help you get down the stretch, right? Sure. You might actually get something out of that, you know, but Ben is not going to get anything back like that. I mean, for no. real. no, uh, I think it would just have to be just a really lucky by chance circumstance at the right time for something like that to happen. Sure. Uh, more so than anything else. And I'm trying to remember too, like um, the trade deadline, where are we at now? We're on, you know, we're in mid July. It's August 1st. Uh, I'm trying to think of how many more starts that'll give Quintana. Oh, probably, probably four. Yeah. Three or four, right. Depending right. on how they space things out. Um, you know, it, it, that will be interesting. Uh, these next three or four starts, I think, uh, unless someone, I don't think you'll see any, any, any type of movement until late. I, I would imagine the pirates would try to hold on to him as long as they could to try to, if things are going well, to try to get that return up a little bit. 
I mean, so that immediately answers Steve's question because that is the antithesis of, you know, being aggressive and going out there and trying to fill somebody's injury role. Um, first of I all, wish. I think, I think too, those phone calls were already placed. If, <laughs> if they're interested, they know who's out there and they know who's available. Yeah. I think it so, would line up. That's yeah. Like if it's later in the process and, and, um, this happens and it's just a total, you're trying to scramble to get something done, but, all these teams have now had time to kind of thoroughly vet the process they want to, you know, go through to, to, to replace that, or maybe they will not. Right. They'll try to do it internally. So, I mean, that's about the best I can answer it right now, because I think Steve bluntly, I don't think they have anything that's interesting enough to replace anybody of note that was injured. And I think that's probably the best answer I can give on this one. And, you know, maybe it's a reminder, too, of uh, people got – it'll be interesting to see the fan reaction this year to the lack of movement or movement with the Pirates and how they treat it because people did not like Jacob Stallings being traded, and they did not care for Adam Frazier being – like, there was a lot – you know, there was enough out there. It wasn't just one or two people. Um, I didn't like it either. Yeah. I, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So – um, this time around with the names we're talking about, uh, you know, I'll just be interested to see how people talk about it what, and which way it goes. I think the only person that most people will really care about is, uh, well, Ben Gamble, because I think they genuinely like the player and I think the return is bound to be underwhelming as hell. Um, I think Quintana will kind of irritate some people, if only because he has been just about their most reliable pitcher all year long. Sure. Um, I personally really love the presence that he brings to that staff. I think they need somebody like that. I don't think they have anybody else like that. That's what scares me about moving him. They don't have anybody else who can say, listen, cuz, I've been there. You know, I know... (laughs) I know what it's like to want to punch that water cooler. Don't do it. I've done it before. <laughs> look what it did to my career. Go look at sure. baseball reference. You'll see these years. This is after I screwed myself up being an idiot. You know, I, there's there's things like that that they can talk about with him that I don't think they'll get elsewhere. And I don't know that I necessarily want to finish the second half of the year without it. So I'd probably yeah. hold on to him if only because I think that double A pitcher, he isn't going to be more exciting than Kyle Nicholas. He isn't going to be more exciting than Michael Burrows. He's not going to be more exciting than Quinn Priester. He's not going to be more exciting than even Omar Cruz, potentially. Yeah, you're people are gonna have to make the decision if that's enough for them. You know, if yeah. it makes if it because that's really kind of where it's it would probably be. Um, I think they need the pitching, so I'm willing to 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 consider it. But then again, I look down and I'm doing this, you know, um, because I thought it would be interesting. Five, Quintana, man, five innings against the Yankees, six hits, no walks, seven strikeouts, one earned run, and probably could have given them another inning if he had to. Yeah. Man, that is, that is, uh, so somebody might overpay is what you're saying. That is really impressive. And you're right. Somebody might overpay, but I'll just, I'll just say, you know, we have no idea whether that Tyler Anderson deal worked out or not. They got a really young kid, 18 years old. Looks great yeah. so far, but come on, but he's in development young. league. And we he's don't a baby. Know, we don't know what he's, he's going to become. And then Bins, come on. I don't, how do you know? Like, Bins isn't good. You know, Bins isn't good. <laughs> There's nothing to it. Sure. It, we may not know for four more years whether that trade nets anything. I don't think we're in that stage right now. I no, think they that... can get more out of keeping some of these guys than they can out of shipping them. Now, we're going long, Jim, so i got to stop here pretty soon. <laughs> we There are some guys, I don't care whether they want to be traded or not, I want them gone after the deadline one way or another. So you can't find a home for Josh Van Meter, which I'll be shocked if you could. You know, buy. 
it's not working out. Yoshi, see you later, man. Like, we tried. I don't know how the hell you came back with a broken glove on your first freaking day back, but, you know, (laughs) here you are. Get out. I don't need a I don't need a, a two hundred and seventy pound singles hitter. Now and we haven't even talked about Newman. The longer he takes to come back, that's situation's not really beneficial to them. It'll either be during this road trip. Yeah, but trying to get trying to see where what where he's at and if you could try to move him for anything. Yeah. Um, but that's an interesting guy too that you, that could yeah. be moved. Um I don't know that he's gonna have enough time to prove it. Right. But he is a proven glove. So you could see, but again, falling into the same category, maybe of what we're talking about. Right. So, so who knows how this plays out? I think the end of the day, being aggressive, that's not the way I want them to be aggressive. You know, I want them to be creative and try to uh, move some of their glut of prospects to get other people's prospects that are right on the doorstep and or potentially major league help at some positions of need, you know, somebody wants to dump a catcher. Great. Go get that catcher and give them somebody that you used to think mattered. Yeah. I think if it gets to a specific position that you feel there's an opportunity, then by all means be a little aggressive. Yeah. See if somebody else think is fooled by Hudson head too. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm just saying like, yeah, you know, no, he's that, a good, he's a good example. And, and he's somebody that you can legit say like, Hey, he's in my top 20 prospects and he's worth something. Right. It, I mean, like sure. people don't, people aren't following him day to day. Hey, I'll tell Justin to stop writing about it on the site. And ben, Sherrington <laughs> fell, ben Sherrington fell in love with Marcano. You know, right. there are GMs that, that, that like certain dudes. So um, I will say these next three weeks really uh, will be interesting just from the uh, the build up to the trade deadline uh, to see what they do and the fact that I've said this before you watch the pirates right now hey they may get slammed but they may hit three home runs you know Brian Reynolds may hit three home runs um, at least it's more interesting to me in that regard is that there is the possibility of them playing well on certain nights that just weren't even there before right. So we're going to leave it there because we have to leave it there. We're really long. Yeah, we got to shut up, man. Yeah. The next uh, episode, I'll be recording from San Francisco, so we'll be doing some weird things with our timing, at least, Jim, when we figure out when we're going to do that. And uh, how do people get a hold of you, brother? Yeah, so um, it's for the city underscore 412, and that's on Twitter or at JimStam22 on Twitter. And Pittsburgh all the time. Steelers, Pirates penguins and pit panthers so uh, we got latang under contract so that's good there you go and that made penguins chronicles happy with oh wait no it didn't <laughs> which okay it made them sad which made me happy let's hey, right, we, right 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 you got it there we go so um anyways without further ado ben take it away brother yes, get a butt.